Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to our brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, I like to sit down with filmmakers, video game makers, sometimes actors, comic book industry professionals, you know, creative types to talk about the stories that they tell, why they tell them, what part of like the recesses of their brains and imaginations they pull these stories from. And I've been doing it for like 15 years. It's what I love. It's what I love talking to people about because I'm a big fan of that stuff too. Uh, this episode, I've got a good old friend of mine, Adam Egypt Mortimer. He's got a movie called Arch Enemy this weekend. It comes out. I watched it. I think something popped in my brain trying to keep up with any of Adam's films. Some things never change. I've known Adam for, uh, I think, 15 years. And whether it's his music videos, his films, his short films, the dude just makes stuff that is like really bendy wendy uh and very conceptual sometimes i find it challenging uh and that that also includes comic books i know uh he made a comic book called ballistic i thought it was incredible we'll talk to him about that coming up on the show um real quick i gotta tell you all there's a lot going on with geekscape uh we have a 15 hour live stream for the holidays coming up this saturday it's a charity uh live stream we're trying to raise two thousand dollars for brick brothers did I mess that up? Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Uh, that is of the coastal and northern New Jersey chapter of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Yep, you guessed it. Matt Kelly, who runs the Geekscape Network, he was in charge of putting together the charity. He's in charge of putting together the entire charity stream this coming Saturday. If you're watching Geekscape right here on Facebook or on YouTube, well, you already know where to catch it. We're starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday, and we're streaming for 15 hours. There's going to be a huge variety of what we're offering. Uh, pretty much all of the podcasts on the podcast network are doing live versions of their shows. Uh, I know One Hit Thunder is doing a One Hit Wonder episode revolving around Christmas. I know that we're doing our brand new Christmas show, Christmas 365. They're going to be a part of it. And uh, 91 Donkey Lane is going to do an improvised comedy uh, special. And we're going to culminate with a special Geekscape 
at the end of the night. So that is this Saturday, the 12th, uh, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here where you're watching the show on the live feed. Obviously, each of the shows that uh, do a live version that day are going to put their content out on the feeds. So I want you all to be there, both live, where you can comment and talk to us live on the on the whole shebang, or just uh, catch us later on whatever podcast feed you want to be a part of. Uh, I got to tell you, though, you should be subscribed to most of the podcasts. We added a brand new podcast to this week. Uh, Binge Town has joined the Geekscape Podcast Network. So I know I don't cover a whole lot of TV. It's probably the content that uh, is hardest for me to consume because there's so much of it and so much of it is really great. Um, but if you all are big TV fans, go subscribe to Binge Town. They're, they're new to the Geekscape Network. And if you're like a fan of the boys, and I don't talk about the boys or uh, what are some of the other shows? Um, that they got going on. I know they do the Mandalorian and we talk about it a little bit here, but uh, if you're just a big TV fan and you, and I ain't scratching the itch for you, it's okay. I'm not going to take it personally, but I still got to provide for the Geekscapists. And so we added binge town to the Geekscape roster and we'd love for you guys to subscribe to it. Um, uh, real quick, there's already a comment. Uh, Bold T says, holy bleep, when you said something popped in your brain, it reminded me when you were reviewing Mana Energy Drink. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was over 10 years ago, reviewing those little energy drinks that looked like mana bottles from World of Warcraft. That uh, I think I drank three of them in the course of one hour, and that I was getting heart palpitations. <laughs> All right, speaking of heart palpitations and my brain cracking, Again, this new movie is called Arch Enemy. It comes out this Friday uh, on all your VODs. It, it looks cool. Um, well, I've seen it, so I'll tell you. It is cool. It's got Joe Manganiello in the, like, the title role, and we're going to talk about it right now with my good friend, Adam Egypt Mortimer. Hey, buddy. How are you? Hey, man. It's <laughs> Welcome so to the cool show. to be talking to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pe- people, th- people need to understand this is like a, like a family reunion. Like you and I... <laughs> We're at the same production company together making our music videos like at the beginning, the twilight years. No, twilight is when you're dying. Twilight's when you're but it, dying. It, you know what? It could have been, been my are, twilight years. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was thinking it was a, it was around the time that twilight came out, the first twilight. So maybe it was the twilight years in the sense that we were playing softball and our skin was glistening in the in the sunlight <laughs> well the truth is adam like uh you know i think that i've definitely gone through a rebirth the the geekscape is called i think my version jonathan 2.0 3.0 post-divorce jonathan who i don't think you and i have talked i think is a different jonathan in many ways and i think the show reflects that i think geekscape's done better i think my my professional life's done better i think no offense to who i was but I think it was roughly a different kind of Jonathan. I think it was like an angry little nerd. And I think we've changed that up here. Um, as evidenced by the fact that we're doing a charity what? live stream this weekend. Like we, we, we were just trying to do a lot of cool positive stuff. And I think it's turned a lot of things around, you know? I think, I think I'm the same. I, I think that um, I, am, I am now post two divorces. Oh, and um, <laughs> that's how and, we're starting Geeks Game. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I, and I, and I think that, um, you know, back then, back when we were buddies, you know, doing our thing at, at Lodger Films, I think I was like really a dick, like mm-hmm. driven by a dick driven by like insecurity and, you know, terror and just not, um, you're really, I think that like in this industry, you, 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 you can be constantly catching up, but you know, the, the gulf between what you imagine you want to be doing and how you think you're supposed to be doing it versus what your like emotional 
uh, resources are, what your emotional intelligence is, those can be so far apart. And I think I had to be called an asshole so many times by the people who were the closest to me and who worked with me before I started to understand like, oh, wait, the way to be a filmmaker is to be like loving and generous and collaborative and not just like yell at people until they make it look cool. Yeah, collaborations are really tough thing to accomplish through a series of demands. Um, you know, collaboration is, is, should at every level be encouragement. And um, I think if I'm the least talented person on that set, but the, the most encouraging, I think that we have a chance to do something really great. You know, if I'm the most talented person on this set, I think we're screwed. <laughs> but one thing that I loved about uh, all your early work, Adam, is, you know, I call you a filmmaker and you have worked in film. Obviously, you've worked in comics, but there's like a, a level of artistry that I think you've always had that I've just always been in awe of. I think that your visual eye is just something that when we were making music videos, it showed in the just in, in the production design, you have this just like, like a keen view of things visually that I always thought was, was sharp. If, if, if there was a, I don't know if, if there was the equivalent of like a rusty old saw going across your eye. Sometimes that's what I thought that a lot of your stuff looked like. It just had this, <laughs> does that make sense? Like it just you had make, this. You mean that in a good thing. In, in a, a great thing. way. I think the, the no, best no, kind of rusty saw. Yeah. Going. Film, film should just inject you with something like you should just, you should, everything should feel striking. And I think that visually a lot of my stuff, and I still feel this way. I'm, I'm, you know, we got into another film festival today and I'm happy, but that's awesome. You know, I watch my stuff and I'm like, eh, a little, little pedestrian whose stuff does that look like? Oh, about 90% of the people on the planet. But when I saw your stuff, even early on, like you would, you just had a craftsmanship to it. And I remember when we would, I remember Lodger, the film, the, the film company that we were on the roster of that George Callert is my business partner here in Geekscape with, um, George and his cousin Rob are the guys at Lodger. We, they had like a format for their for their pitch decks. Remember, or like the pitch treatments for the music videos. They gave us like a I don't know. I got like a format from it, and then I hear then I heard that like you went to like Kinkos and made like some weird cut and paste flip book. It had like yeah. metal and like yarn on it and like crayon drawings. Like you made some piece of art to pitch I, a music video to a band. <laughs> and I was like, that's so fucking cool. Like, I'm just like, I would only make like a word document with some pictures and be like, that looks pretty good. Hope I get the video. You go to the extent of making a piece of art to get a piece of art. Yeah, I know. I, I, sp I used to spend so much time at Kinko's when that was the thing, like laminating, printing, making. I think, um, there's like a stack of, of stuff in my house that's like, are these art books? And it's like, no, these are jobs I didn't get. <laughs> these, are, <laughs> these are job interviews. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's what that's what made me want to be doing movies to begin with. And this, I think, lines up with what we were saying about, because I feel like a 2.0 version of me also. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that made me wanting, want to do music videos and want to do film and what I was doing before, I was playing music and I was doing um, like art stuff was this very visual, like conceptual visual thing and had, what are colors and what are shapes and what are cool looking pictures. And it was when I got a, the, 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 the suggestion of a green light from first feature film, I had to you know, like panic about like all I've done is style. But I have no idea how to talk to actors and I have no idea what an emotion is. I have no idea how to, 
connect my emotions to what the th- and I ha- and I really like ejected every like I didn't work with any of the same people that I'd been doing music videos and stuff like that. I just I tried to learn about actors and like that's that led me to understand about like oh, I have these things that have happened to me in my life and like that's what this slasher movie is actually about and that's what I want to communicate. And that really changed things for me. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I think, a process of trying to combine then, okay, but it should still fucking look cool. So how do I justify <laughs> the way it's going to look cool knowing that it's actually supposed to be about something now? Yeah, and, and, and I, I, what, I, what I do love about the stuff you do, and I do find it challenging. There are times when I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're like Adam's talking about right now. You know what I mean? And and I think that's an okay place to be. I think that's actually I've gotten I I think that ego is what we we do talk about it a lot here on the show, but I think that ego is something very destructive. When you're talking about talking to actors and when you're talking about collaboration, I think ego is just one of those destructive forces that comes in and says, "Oh, you know what?" we know the answers are in vulnerability, but there's no way we're going to go inward to find the answers. You know what I mean? And, and I think that, I think visually there were, there was a lot of uh, stuff that you're just super talented with visually. And uh, that evolution to a narrative vulnerability, uh, like a human vulnerability is something that you start to see in some of the moments in, in your, in your film, you know, it, it when Geekscapist, when y'all watch this this movie Arch Enemy this weekend, uh, again it's got Joe Manganiello. Support him just because he's the biggest D and D nerd in the world, but yeah. also because Adam's here with us. Um, the movie and deals- he hasn't. By the way, he hasn't invited me to play his game. Yet. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm going around every interview. I'm like, he's like Ryan Gosling. He's like the greatest. Yeah. My creative. Yeah, I had to. I had to go start my own D and D campaign because I was like, I want to play, and my invitation has not been forthcoming. So. And we've we've. Uh, I think a year ago we were like talking to him about coming on the show, and he, you know, his schedule just wasn't permitting. He'd be great on the show, and. You know, we're patient. We're around a long time. So, Joe, you'll be on the show sooner or later. I, I sweating, but uh, but just in the show, you know, watching this film and Geeks gave us. Let me just set it up. The film is about a guy, but you know, he's a homeless dude when you see him on our Earth. But the film actually starts with a graphic novel type comic book opening where you see the superhero on another world and in the battle with his arch enemy goes through some form of a dimensional rift and gets cast into ours supposedly as this Joe Manganiello homeless person in our world who you think this might all just be in his head. He may not be a superhero from some other world at all. He may just be crazy. And uh, the younger actors who like get kind of entwined in his storyline are constantly kind of having to trust him and not trust him based on whether or not they think that this story is real. But all the stuff that Adam is influenced by from the comics to the music to the visual style is all at play here, including like some of the crazy, like weird conceptual ideas that sometimes I'm like, what? <laughs> Cause they're just way over my head and they're here in the film. The, the idea of alternate dimensions, alternate realities, destinies, parallel, you know, dimensions, parallel, you know, personalities, parallel destinies. Where does that stuff come from, Adam? Because <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I know when I, when I first started thinking about Arch Enemy, I was the uh, the the main influence. I was like, I want to do a superhero movie that's like the wrestler, that's like Aronofsky's The Wrestler, mm. like a guy who's used to be this thing and now he's broken and he sits in a bar. And um, but then 
as you've alluded to now several times, as soon as I started writing it, it became, I had to, I just have a, a, an overabundance of conceptual thoughts. And so it goes from being the wrestler to being, well, there are multiple dimensions and there's falling through a black hole and there's, is the reality reality or is it not reality? And, um, and I think that it, it, in it, the, the most important thing to me about it is that that really, that is like how I feel. And I think a lot of us feel like that. I think you can be driving down the 405 freeway on your way to like a meeting and then look out the window and be like, who built all these roads? Like, we're all just going to die. How did anybody have time to figure out how to build all this? And why is this here? And like, and then you, and then you have to like pull over because you feel like you're about to pass out because you've just kind of fucked yourself up. <laughs> I don't think, I, I mean, I don't think I'm, I, I think I'm just, luckily I'm too dumb to go that far. And I'm just like, cool road, man. Hope I'm not late. <laughs> No, but I think, I mean, it's, it even comes down to the thing of like, if you say a word too many times in a row, it starts to be meaningless. You know, like you can. Unless you, you say Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah, okay, don't, man. Don't, 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 don't do it. That. Don't do it. Um, and I, I don't know. I think there's been times in my life, you know, it's like the most traumatic times, like after these horrible breakups or like after the 2016 election, when like reality feels you know, sort of so traumatic and weird that it doesn't, that it feels unreal. I mean, it can be in good things too. It can be if, you know, when the Lakers win for the first time in a decade. uh, Adam, I'm a jazz fan. Enjoy Uh it. (laughs) Enjoy it. (laughs) I don't know what that feeling that you have. I don't know what that feeling is, but I will tell you, uh, I I have nothing but but crazy respect for for LeBron and and company. I think, I think he's just, He's the he's. I mean, you and I lived through Jordan, and he's the greatest basketball player we've ever seen. And um, and God, it's been so long, but basketball season is finally starting up again. So <laughs> it, it is uh, Geekscapus. I will. I'm going to issue a Twitter correction on Adam and actually say that it is the shortest off season in all of professional sports history because uh, of the pandemic. Is what we we're experiencing. Uh, preseason games start this weekend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like they had like three weeks off. <laughs> the first the Clippers Lakers uh, preseason game happens the same time my movie comes out, and I'm totally right. I'm like, I don't need to watch. I've seen my movie. I have not seen. Yeah, um, and the and the Jazz preseason <laughs> game happens during our our live stream. But I'm going to be right here, Geekscapist, live streaming with the rest of y'all. <laughs> that is that is loyalty. <laughs> um, so I mean, you know, what to back it back up to to Arch Enemy. You know, what one of the things that's that's important that was really important to me on this movie is that I love comic books, and there's never been a time when I have stopped loving comic books. And I think that um, you know the way that comics have treated superheroes, going as far back as like the early '80s, was to to work with the readers. Like the readers are so sophisticated. Like they treat the readers of comic books with such a sophisticated way, like you want, you know, like X-Men can go through multiple dimensions and reboots of the entire universe and like, but also be these little romantic stories, you know? And, um, and I felt, you know, I was particularly thinking about like Electra assassin and, you know, and uh, remember daredevil love and war, which was the other Frank Miller Sienkiewicz thing around mm-hmm. that same time. And like, um, you know, that came about because there had been so many comic books about superheroes, which was not a genre. 
There's just a mythology around which you can tell all these stories. And so in 2015, I started writing Arch Enemy and I was like, we now have so many fucking superhero movies that we that I'm interested in the experiment of treating the movie going viewers with the same sophistication that comic book readers have been treated to for decades. And, you know, and do the kinds of things that Grant Morrison does or the kinds of things that like Daniel Klaus does and, you know, super insane, cosmic and colorful and super grounded and gritty and, and gnarly and put that all together in a movie. Because now people watching Doctor Strange in movies will get how insane you can be and it doesn't have to feel like the same it doesn't have to feel like a genre like arch enemy feels like a a weird crime movie or a psychedelic sci-fi movie or a hangout drug movie like all these kind of things uh that was what that's what got me excited about the idea of doing a movie was like the audiences get it they don't need to see a guy get bit by a radioactive fist to know that he has fist powers you know yeah and you, and you did a really good job of just giving us that superhero introduction very quickly and then dumping us as quickly as you could into the real world. And again, one of the things that uh, ego will keep you from is this confidence of just letting the audience find the answers for themselves. You should not even give them most of the answers. And a, a pretty boring movie is a, is a movie where you walk out of the end and it was just the two hours that it was advertised as. I think that so one of the things that, I love about the work that you do and filmmakers who have the confidence to just leave the concepts on the table is your movie is not two hours long. Your, your movie goes to the point where the next morning you're on your run or you're in the car and you're like, yeah, but where do I, where do I fit in on this stuff? We had Mark Weber, the actor director on the, the show a few weeks ago, and he did this, this piece with his kid. You know, Mark Weber, he was in uh, Scott Pilgrim. He played Steven Stills. Yeah. And he, and as a filmmaker, the dude is just awesome. And he, he, you know, he'll make, he'll grab a $50 camera from, and like go make some beautiful thing. And like, oh, cool. he makes these movies for nothing and they're beautiful. And he, he doesn't explain them. You just exist with the characters. You take from the movie what you need to take and you bring to the movie what you got. And it, in the movie is not two hours long. It is, it is a co conversation with you. And I feel like this movie is the same. And I feel like it's just, that's what, that's what talking to you is always like, Adam. Well, this, yeah. I mean, that's a lovely thing to say. And that's, that's my hope of like how people would experience it. Like when you were talking about, you know, did you feel like some of it went over your head or what the fuck is he talking about? Multiple realities and all that. It, it's like, for me, I, none of that stuff is meant to be, um, necessarily legible it's not it's not like i don't think about anything that happens in the movie as being exposition i think about it as like these are it's really cool to hear joe say these words it's really cool you know for him to be walking down the street talking to this kid being like 11 dimensional space and i just think that's a cool phrase and i think the character is a guy who's like you know, probably was kind of a tough guy, but then became a superhero. And he's like, he's literally like flown through black holes. So how would a guy like that, like a guy like that would be like, he's grappling with what he's seen. And he just thinks it's like, when I was, <laughs> one of the first conversations I had with Joe was I was like, look, when you say this stuff, don't think about it as being like really literal. Think about it. Like when Kerry King plays a guitar solo in Slayer, like, like Kerry King is the guy in Slayer. Who's like, and it's just like it just sounds awesome there's no melodic structure you have no idea how it fits into the song but it's just it's just awesome and he's like spitting it yeah yeah, yeah. exactly 
And um, and so you know, I'm hoping that people will like wa- watch this movie and let it sort of wash over them. And that's why it has this like editing style of like they're walking under a bridge. Oh, they're on a roof. Oh, they're back in the bar. Like as they're having the same conversation, and and sort of have that like, you know, you talked about a saw blade across the eyes. It's like I I want the thing to be immersive. Like you sit down to watch a movie. I want to pull you into this world and have it be loud and unusual and kind of fuck with your head a little bit and give you an experience. But some of that are those gaps, like those gaps, not just in narrative, but like you said, those, like we are used to film as the, the literal visual narrative of like things like screen direction. Can, you know, he takes a right around the corner. The next shot's going to be the place around the corner. We're going to recognize what the, what was in the background from the shot before it. And you're jumping us in places and the audience has to piece the conversation together again. And it's in, in those kind of puzzles, I think also leave room as the, for the audience's interaction to then say, wait, is this guy crazy? Uh, Scott Roger, who co-hosts our horror movie night on the Geekscape Network, says Daniel isn't real. Is just so damn good. I know that Daniel isn't Thank you, real. Scott. It's such. It's a favorite of those boys over the horror movie night. Oh, that is awesome. That's so, great, man. That's we got to get you on horror movie night. It's, Hell yeah! I think it's our most popular Geekscape podcast. It, the horror fans love it, so we got to get you on there. Um, and then he also says, you know what? Yeah, that's exactly what a Carrie King solo <laughs> sounds like. Yeah. Um, but uh, when when we're talking about um, putting the film together, I, I, I think about the humbling that happens when you were a superhero and you're in some universe where you have a source of your power and then suddenly you're on Earth. Your powers don't work. You can't smash a brick wall, as you see in the movie. He's trying to smash a brick wall. Um, when you started putting the story together, how much of your own journey with humility in your own life made its way into this character. Yeah, I think that's really that's really observant of you and um and that that kind of narrative reflection of my my feelings it began with ballistic. It began with the comic ballistic that I did with Derek, which is Of which Adam McGovern who's watching the show right now says ballistic was the first best comic of the century and he's got to see all your films. So That's rad. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, ballistic was drawn by Derek Robertson who drew The Boys and Happy and Transmetropolitan, but um, to 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 you know, I'll sum up the plot, but I want to connect it to the, the thing you're asking about, which is that um, so it, it's about a guy who's an air conditioning repairman in a futuristic city where um, the beloved class of people are criminals, so not unlike our own world, but like there's <laughs> there's celebrity magazines about like cool gang bosses, and and the guy, the main character, Butch, is the air conditioning repairman to all of these like famous criminals. And he himself really wants to be a bank robber. He wants to be like, you know, John Dillinger, but he's fixing air conditioners. And when I was writing it, I was really aware of like, this is a lot like what it feels like to be me. Like when you live in LA, you wind up being friends with rock stars and famous writers and big movie producers. And, you know, like you're surrounded by successful people and you might hang out at their house, you know, like, there's a lot of interaction, right? But then you still you still go home and you're like, God, if I got run over by a truck in the morning, nobody uh, would have left nothing behind. And, you know, it's just, and it's a really weird feeling. And so I think both, you know, I, I think that there's, that Arch Enemy and Ballistic speak to each other in a lot of ways and, and that Joe could play the character of Butch. But that sense of, um, you know, helplessness, powerlessness, like the desire 
the, you keep talking about ego and it's like, you know, that your ego is telling you that you are something awesome. You're a superhero, you're an artist or whatever, but like the world is telling you, you're just some dude, you're just some scruffy <laughs> fucking dude, man. Nobody cares. And that is a really jarring set of, you know, the, what you're thinking and what you're experiencing and then the way, and then, you know, what I think what the journey is all about is flipping that and being like, well, maybe the world is actually telling me I'm okay and my ego is the idiot and that, you know, I got to, and, and so, yeah, that was, I think that was a, a really important part of my way in to that character and, and his, uh, you know, I thought about it a lot uh, as like a football player, like, like Max Fist is like a guy who was a star quarterback in high school. And now it was the peak of his life. That's not me. I don't really, that, that's an analogy, but to me, it's about this, like, Oh, I thought I was going to, you know, when I was 10 years old and was playing with my action figures, my mom said, like, I was really imaginative. So oh. how come? <laughs> you get you get so many checks that later you try and cash in and people are like, oh, these aren't worth anything. Yeah, those are clown box. No. <laughs> what? The, people give you monopoly money for the first 20 years of your life. Emotional monopoly money. Yeah, and that's then so they, you're like, really... I would like to cash these in, please. And they're like, you can fuck right off. Yeah. Like, but I did so well on that paper I wrote about Texas Drink. Chainsaw Massacre. And they're like, Drink your oval teen. I used to be funny at parties, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 true. You really have to um God, you have to see yourself in a you have to see yourself in a huge, you know, this comes back to the way I see it. You have to see yourself in a cosmic contest and context and feel okay about it. Like you're this speck of cosmic dust and there's all this huge, crazy shit going on. And you have to feel okay with that. And then maybe your little speck of dust can propel you towards the sun. Something I don't know. Where yeah. It, you know, there's there all the concepts like essentialism, like I try and eat, I mean, I eat pretty much the thin menu of things all the time just because, I find it a time waste uh, to just be like, what are we going to have tonight? What are we going to do? No, no, listen, I'll have like five things on the. I'll have like two things on the menu. It's done. I don't drink alcohol. That's not a part of the equation. Like I just, I have this, this, and this. I'm pretty simple as a creature. Um, and I think that, that when you start thinking about um, the fact that, uh, you know, the reminder is that it doesn't matter. We're all going to get sucked into the sun one day. It doesn't matter. Like all this stuff that we're doing doesn't matter. And then, like you said, the reverse is because it doesn't matter. Everything matters because it doesn't matter. Being a dick and being a jerk and being an asshole is the greatest sin because you did make it about yourself when again, nothing matters. And when we were all in this ride together, which all ends with either six feet of dirt above us or getting sucked into the sun, however long you think that your <laughs> spirit lasts, um, if you did make it about yourself and you did end up being a jerk, then then that's tough. And like, what were some of those wake ups like, Adam? Adam, I never thought you were a jerk. I thought that you were precious. Does that make sense? And I, and I mean, tell me, I don't mean, tell me about I don't, that. What and I don't mean, mean like mean like Ad, I don't mean like Adam is precious. I mean that, oh, he's so precious. I, I mean that like <laughs> your your work was precious and everything else could go to like could go fuck itself. Does that make sense, right. Adam? And yeah. in, 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 in that I understood. It, it was not my way of going about things. But then again, my way of going about things is I usually go, I usually had, I always had the flip. I was always like story narrative first and my visuals are trash. My visuals were just like, Hey, it's nice. That's a double. That's a single. That's an over shoulder. Like I have some of the most pedestrian 
visuals you can think of, but I always took it from like a story perspective. And I overheard this and you tell me if this is right or wrong. Um, when I was doing Singledom or one of the thing projects for Fox and we were editing it at um, Lodger, uh, you were watching one of our edits and I think Ben was cutting it and, and, and you were like, man, I want to be doing stuff like that. And I'm sitting here going, well, shit, man, I see the visuals you're putting on camera. I want to be doing stuff like that. And I think it's just one of those things where, like you said, you can't play the comparison game. You just have to like say, you know what? You're going to do things the way you're going to do. You're going to have your journey and just chill the F out. Because what happens at the end? We all get sucked into the sun. <laughs> like it doesn't. Matter. Well, that's that thing that 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 um, that reminder to chill out along the way is the most important thing in the world. I mean, you know, at at that time when I saw you cutting that show, I you know I wanted to be doing narrative things. I wanted to be working with actors who were saying words and telling a story, which seemed you know amazing. Um, and I think, uh, and then I spent however many years, ten years feeling super freaked out that I wasn't doing that or like, you know, like overcome with anxiety about like, when am I going to do that? When am I going to get to do it? And like that, there is no greater waste of time than, than that use of energy. And like, I, you know, I've had the chance now to start talking sometimes to like um, film school students, you know, friends of mine invite me to talk to the class for a second. Like the thing I just keep coming back to. I'm going to start inviting you to talk to my classes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the number, the number one thing that I want to communicate is like, it is going to take however long it takes. It It's probably going to take way longer than you want it to take. So if you know that in advance, spend, don't spend any of that time freaking out about it. Spend that time watching cool movies and being, you know, influenced by them. And, and just like, writing as fast as you can. Just like it doesn't matter if it's good or not, Geekscape. It's like just write as fast as you can. It's about being prolific, not about being good because – you know there's stuff out there that's not good that gets celebrated. It finds its own audience, especially now with a million avenues and niches to find your audience. Like, it doesn't matter. Somebody who's going to watch Adam's movie and be like, I didn't get it, don't like it, thought the guy was better on True Blood, is going to be, is, <laughs> you know, you know some dude in a simple tourist shirt is going to come up to Adam at a convention and be like, dude, that fucking movie was awesome. It's fucking great. It fucking blew my mind, man. You know, like, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. So just make as much stuff as you can. And but, but on the other hand, but well, you'll it, get better. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get well, better you know, over time. With, with, when I wrote Daniel isn't real, I, I wrote it with um, Brian Delu. We based it on his novel, and we started writing it. I think in 2011, we we wrote our first draft of it, and um, you know we didn't shoot it until 2018. It took us seven years to get sure. the movie made, and. In between, we made a different movie, a tiny little movie that, that we made first, so I could prove that I could make a movie. So, I, blah, blah, blah. and like, if we had made that movie at the time that I wanted to make it, it would have sucked. Like, I had no idea how to make a movie. I was learning how to make a movie on my first one. And you're talking and about some kind of hate. I'm talking about Daniel isn't real. If I had shot I know, but- that in 2011, it would have sucked. Right. right, so you went to some oh. kind of hate is the film that you're talking about having yeah. made first. You yeah. think that that's a movie that sucks? I didn't say it sucked, but I was learning how to make a movie on that film. Of course, like it, there, of were, course. there was like, and 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 I, I mean, I think it's. I know that that movie is meaningful to a lot of people, and I think that it takes some cool swings that I stand behind. I also think it could have been better. 
Whereas like Daniel is a movie that I stand behind. Like after I finished shooting Daniel, I was like, if I die tomorrow, if I get hit by a truck, that's okay. I did the thing that I had wanted to do. Like there mm. is like, whereas I was constantly, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot. I, I'm Jewish. This is a, <laughs> a, a, a thing that, that we have, but other humans have this as well is constantly believing I'm about to die. Like constantly diagnosing myself with cancer or really rare diseases that there's no way I have. But like, Post some kind of hate, I went through a period where I was 100% convinced I was dying of cancer. My mom died of colon cancer a long time ago, and that was a devastating thing. And so I just got it in my head that I was dying of cancer with the same cancer that she had. And I was like, and the thing that's really stressing me out is that it's, I'm just not going to have left behind who I am in my art. I haven't done that yet. And so the whole thing is a waste and no one will know. And it, you know, which Adam again, as he go, of course, like, like we deserve yeah. to have that statue in times square in like the town square. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I would love a statue. It's, <laughs> it's interesting you say that because there's a whole statue theme in arch enemy where they're building a statue of him and then it gets, you know, um, but, uh, but I didn't, but, but, but the sense of peace. Well, it's interesting because now I feel like you're making a critique of this idea we, it, no, I, I mean, there's a constant conflict. It's a, like, it's a constant. Do something. Yeah. It's it's not about the statue. It's about feeling like you got it, at, like you got something out of it. Like like, did like you Daniel didn't. Even, yeah, did you do enough? Did you did did you find some kind of truth about who you are mm-hmm. and communicate it properly? Or like, did all the time I spent watching fucking Tarkovsky movies add up to a pretty good movie that I made that I would be proud of? You know, like like. Where do you get, where do you get the meaning of your life? And you you have yeah. to like derive it yourself. And maybe you know, I look when my mom died. I don't think that she had achieved what she wanted. She she died with regret. There's no question to me that she died in a way. Whether even if it was even that she wasn't going to live long enough to see me blossom, or she had other things she wanted to do. Whatever it was, there was a sense of regret in in her death. And how do we avoid that or not avoid it, but like, how do we make peace with it? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but, but, but Adam, I think the reminder is too, that that is a goalpost that moves as you and I both know. And real quick, Michelle Vincent, who's watching says, both of y'all are inspiring. Just speaking your insecurities and experience. My 16 year old is listening intently. Well, your 16 year old, Michelle is perfectly my audience for Geekscape. We will be talking about Spider-Man very soon as well. We like to talk about both here. And and the and the thing is like the, the trick that the mind tells on itself, and I know the, the, the goal is to stay present. So time travel is I, I have a rule. No time travel. When I start like thinking about regrets I had or like aspirations I had, like dude, 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 dude. there's no time travel allowed. It's not allowed. And in movies we all know that it just messes everything up anyway. So so do not time travel. If you had a time travel device you better not use it because you're going to step on a butterfly. Um, knowing that time travel only messes things up, that projecting yourself forward uh, only leads to stress for things not being as they are. Or when you think about regret, things not being as they, as they are, uh, you got to stay present. At the same time, your perspective is that prison that only gets clearer in retrospect. And you're all, you only are equipped with the prison like uh, perspective you have at the moment. So beating yourself up like that goalpost is just going to keep moving. As you know, when your when your mother died and when my older brother died when I was seventeen, when when these horrible things happened, our perspective got smacked. When we realized that our lives 
had to be were different and we were on a course that we were not happy with and i'm talking about the divorces now and you realize that the bone had been had grown wrong and it in as in as nice as you know as as much as you were like well there's some support there in that bone but you knew it had to be broken to be reset that gives you the acute pain and restructuring of your life and your social circle in your your i talked about my routine how like i like being essential and just being like i eat this every morning and i have this for lunch and i'm already an old man like that stuff has to get blown up the goalposts change adam so when you talk about like did i do enough at what point in your life is that measurement it right. keeps getting remeasured the whole time you you have to uh you have to constantly remind yourself to be looking for peace every every day. It's really it's 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 about that, right? Like you, the, the only goal that makes sense is finding peace, and it is impossible to figure out what that is because if you just sit still and take a lot of naps, like eventually you'll be like, I'm wasting all my time. I'm very restless. And if you run around doing a million things and solving all these problems, you'll be like, Oh my god, I'm exa- I'm gonna have a nervous <laughs> breakdown. So where do you, where do you find peace? You have to every day. I mean, this is why I do. You know, you talk about routines like. I do yoga, I box, I I'm not currently doing therapy, but usually in my life I'm doing therapy. No, it's and incredible. I ta- and, and I take meditation, uh, medication, right? All of these things, on top of eating well. I stopped drinking a while. It, stopped drinking before we shot Arch Enemy just to stay present, and I've had not had the desire to drink. Like all of these things <clears throat> that you do, are are techniques of not feeling anxiety. Like I think anxiety is the supervillain of the human condition you know if like if in my movie it's black holes and cool women with blonde hair like in real life it's anxiety and um and like all of this stuff we do are technologies that our species has developed over the years to try to push that back and i feel like that's the same as that like that's the thing i tell filmmakers is like everything you do like preparing and rehearsing and storyboarding that is all simply so that on the day you listen to the present and not listen to your anxiety. It's so that you could just be aware and you feel okay. And if everything goes wrong, which it will, it, you won't, it won't make you feel like you're doing a bad, like I've been on projects where it feels awful and I've confused that for believing that it's telling me the project itself is going badly, but it's not, it's just feeling bad because life can feel bad sometimes, but it's not communicating to you that things are bad objectively, whatever that would mean. And you have to sit in that discomfort. Yeah. And I think there's a level of stoicism that we have to subscribe to. You know, when, when, you know, we would, there was a, there's a story that comes out of stoicism of like crossing into battle. And, uh, you know, the, the, these Greeks are rowing the ship and the cloud cover was so dense that the, that the moon was covered and suddenly everything's cast in darkness and everybody started to panic and said, yeah, the moon is still there. Our goal is still there. You just can't see it. You have to be uncomfortable and you have to continue. You just have to do it. And I think that's that that's that's the second act slump when you're writing a script. That's where like, whoa, wait a minute. The third act is getting away from me. These characters are starting to speak in ways that now that, that I'm familiar with them, they're starting to make decisions on their own. You know that stage in your writing, and you're like, whoa, the, how do I how do I course correct this towards the third act and sometimes you do sometimes you don't but you have to you have to let things the organic nature of storytelling get there in the same way you said and i love that you said that if you prepare you will allow yourself not just to to duck and weave with the discomforts and problems that happen on set but 
you also allow yourself to be confident in that things are taken care of. And if the cool stuff shows up, the little miracles, the little surprises that maybe an actor brings or a creative brings to your set that you 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 are open to identify because you aren't so focused on this thing that you forgot to do because or you didn't forget to do it. You knew you should have done it, but you didn't do it because you're playing video games instead of shot listing <laughs> and floor planning. Like yeah. you should have been floor planning and shot listing. You shouldn't have been fucking around playing video games. <laughs> like it's what I yeah. I agree there's that, there's that thing that happened when we were shooting, and I won't describe the scene or people haven't seen the movie yet, so I won't um set it up too much. But there was a there's a scene in the movie that we was a crucial scene in the script, and um right about midnight the night before we had to shoot, a crazy thing happened where somebody was sick and they weren't gonna be able to make it to set. They had to go to the emergency room. <clears throat> and so I got up at 4 a.m. the day that we were supposed to shoot. And, and it's like, I mean, people were like, we, we can't call it off. We have to shoot something. We'll fix it. We'll do a voiceover, whatever, all this bullshit. And that there's no way I would allow. And um, I had been very, with Arch Enemy, I had been very inspired by Wong Kar Wai, like his movie, like Chungking Express and Fallen Angels, Ashes of Time, where he takes these kind of genre movies, but just lives in the world with the people. And, and the way he shoots is to show up on set and be like, what do you guys want to do today? That Let's kind find of it. Yeah. Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, so I woke up at 4 a.m. and I watched a couple minutes of Fallen Angels. And then I was like, well, I've got all these amazing actors and I'm not going to, you know, it, this movie is nothing but amazing. Glenn Howerton, Amy Simons, Paul Shear, like Skylin Brooks, Joe, they're all amazing. Zolie Griggs, who have I not said? Everybody in the movie is incredible. And, and I've got this cool location. I've got these cool cars with guns. I've got all this stuff. So I showed up on set, and it was 6 in the morning, and everybody looked really panicked. And I was like, guys, it's okay. I'm going to write a new scene now. You just start lighting. over. We're going to shoot it over here, and I'm going to go talk to the actors. And I have this cool idea. We're going to just go work something out. And I went and talked to the actors, and I was like, guys, this is such a great opportunity. I have this idea. What if we do blah, 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 blah? And they were like, okay, cool. And then I started writing it and we're texting lines from this. And I'm sitting in a corner on my laptop, literally writing three pages of a movie while they're lighting it. And I have never felt so awesome on set. Like that was the most energy. It was, it was energy. I mean, first of all, I'm saving that the fact that we're shooting anything at all is like, now I'm a hero. (laughs) Um, but that, but and it was so free. Nobody could be like, I don't know. Let's. I got some notes on the scene. You don't have notes. We have to shoot in thirty seconds. Yeah. Um. But that. But that. But to the point that you were making, I was able to do that because I understood what the movie was. I understood all the themes of. Like I'd thought about this movie so much. I had my twenty-five page style guide. Here's all the themes. Everybody in the whole. I did readings. I would invite even the accountant of the movie would come downstairs and read the script with us. So everybody on the movie knows what the movie is. And he knows what it will cost. And he knows exactly he knows what because that's important too. It's like you can <laughs> you can dream up a million dreams, but if but you and I we we have to be able to put the 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 rubber to the road on that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it what I love that story, Adam, and uh, you know I I love that you just were like, yeah, we're gonna go full improv on a lot of well, not even improv, yeah. but like again, it was that whole organic, turned into full that organic, thing. yeah. Yeah, and that's what, you know, my my cinematographer on this one, Helena Hutchins, she's Ukrainian. So when I explained my, here's what we're going to do, she walked up to me and she was like, oh, so we're going to shoot it like European movie. 
And then, and then it was just like, yes, that's all I've ever wanted. I was about to, to say that that's a like very, a European movie. Like you went full dogma for that day. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. the, dog, the, the dogma rules were like, you can't have lights, you can't have everything. You show up with a camera yeah. and your actors, and you're just, you, you can only shoot with what you got. You can't bring in artificial lighting. You can't bring in props. You have to exist in the in the area. And I think some of those dogma, Lars van Trier dogma movies are incredible. And I mean, my, my favorite movies, I know that at Geekscape is we love talking about Spider-Man and, and genre and superheroes here on Geekscape. But the movie that we have being packaged is a movie about a guy who is left with a dog and doesn't know how to take care of it. So he's going to just try and drive the dog somewhere to someone who can take care of it. And that's, that's my movie. It's, it's like the bicycle thief, which is my favorite movie. And it's just a movie that you shoot with things that you know, and it's nice. And it's a, you don't have to, not everything has to be ballistics, but if you are Adam Mortimer and it's got to have that cool thing to it, that <laughs> razor drawn across your eyes, I think that, that you, it's, it's just, you have that capacity, Adam. And I see your earliest music videos in this film. And I, and I wonder about that day that you had to go full dogma. Well, not full dog because you wrote a script, but like I wonder about that day and some kind of hate, Adam. What would have happened to? And again, we talk about the, the moving goalposts in your life, and I want Geeks gave us to think about the moving goalposts in your life because you'll beat yourself up over something without stopping to say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa I shouldn't beat myself over or, myself up over that because the goalposts changed and I'm a different person now than I was five minutes ago." What would some kind of hate era? Adam have done on that day where someone goes to the hospital, your AD's freaking out, everybody's freaking out. You got a dogma 95 today. I know. I think um, on the one hand, I think creatively, I still would have been able to get there because I know, you know, by the time I was making some kind of hate, I was ready to be nimble and having like practice working with actors and trying to be organic with them. But I, but, but I think I would have responded with anger. I would have like started yelling at everybody. How could you let this happen? And what are we going to do? And fuck you. And well, this is your fault. So therefore now I need you to bring three horses and a tomato or whatever. Yeah, you, you go know, like, big. You're like, yeah, I, I think but, it's whereas the, on yeah. this one, I was like, guys, this is exciting. Like, I know you're all a little bit scared, but to me, this is what I want filmmaking to be like. And it's going to be, I actually think this scene is going to be better than what we had and look at talent we have, you know, how can I use the talent? And like, none of that is disingenuous. It was just been a real shift in my heart of making filmmaking, of making films from a point of view of loving the people that I work with. And, and like, and they're now in a place of having to roll up their sleeves and everybody, let's just get dirty. Let's go. Everybody's focused, acutely focused on making this thing work. Yeah. And is that not your job? If anything? Yeah. Yeah, I know I, you sent I, that actor to the hospital, Adam. I know you planned it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna—it's all gonna come out. I was using those microwave radiation that they've got going in Cuba right now. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! He's going QAnon on us. He's starting. <laughs> oh no! Oh, not QAnon. Cuban. Cubanon. Oh that's, no! That's no. the hot news. Uh, we got um, right out of the back. Uh, Matt Conkling says, "Who are you?" Probably know says. Adam, you are truly inspiring. Thank you for always being who you are. And I agree with you. Even when you were jerk version of Adam, uh, I liked who you were. Uh, it has definitely given me the courage to pursue my career in Hollywood. So Dude, that's, that is Matt's great. got the best El Camino in the city. 
<laughs> we, we use Max Fist drives that El Camino. You see the, the picture you got there. Man. Yeah, that's 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 the Batmobile. That is me. awesome. And then um, Heidi, my my girl, who's really on the other side of that wall right now as we record, oh, she hi. says we experienced some of that angst during chasing Fletcher Allen, our, our most recent short film. We were both dealing with stuff that made it seem like working on the film was not great, but in hindsight, I think the filmmaking portion went well yes but you're still Excellent. mad at me heidi so what was i supposed to do i'm kidding um well speaking of matt conkling um in that whole group i want to ask you about boxing because i love boxing and geekscapists who are looking for to the uh the new year and are looking to like cut weight change the, the way they do first off obviously diet's always the number one thing but um boxing is such an incredible way to cut weight fast and i love boxing i haven't done it since the gyms have been closed here in la but I love it, and you got a chance to box at Fantastic Fest. I remember. Yeah, I've and done I was it. I've done so it twice. Happy. <laughs> it's so hard. I Man, do yeah, not. That- I do not want to box at Fantastic Fest, <laughs> but I do love boxing. I don't think I want to box well, another human being. I think the, I just want. The, I love the exercise. The choice to do that. The choice to be in the Fantastic Debates, um, which for those who don't know it, Fantastic Fest in Austin, they do a thing in a boxing ring where you have a debate, and in my case, we were debating. What were we debating? Carrie versus Christine, Stephen King adaptations. You have a debate for a couple of minutes and then you have a boxing match. The guy that I was boxing, six foot four, 300 and infinity pounds. He's a huge dude, right? Better be. uh, Josh, Josh Ethier, he's, he was my editor on some kind of hate. Um, but my decision to do that got me to train with a coach. And I was going to a, a boxing gym um, down in, in South Central called Broadway Gym, which is like a legendary boxing gym. And like really grew to like love the sport and was really like I was just eating boiled chicken and doing boxing drills every day. Like I've never been such a like manimal in my life. And um, and you learn so much about yourself. And the thing that is really fascinating that relates so well to what we're talking about is that boxing specifically is a, a an athletic conditioning that requires a lot of thinking. You're moving fast and you're but you, you have to stay doing, present or you're going to get the knock the you fuck have to out. Be present. And you're doing that thinking with your body. So it's a completely different kind of thinking than the kind of thinking that we're more normally used to, which is like who would win in a fight, Batman or Spider-Man. Like it's a very different thing when you're like, I am now Spider-Man and I'm losing this fight. It's a very different way of thinking with your body. And that helped, you know, that kind of presence is just is is remarkable and has been so helpful to me. So it's not, you know, you're not only expressing your frustration and getting it out of your system, but you're really like working through flowing in the moment. And your when the pandemic started, has to be involved. your whole yeah. body has to be involved in this. Yeah. The, the body aspect of it is insane. And um, so when the pandemic started, I bought one of those rubber bobs, the boxing mm-hmm. opponent uh, bag, which is just like a rubber man with no arms and legs. And, and it's just right in my backyard. Like I can roll out of bed and do my thing with him, which has been awesome. And it really makes me feel like I'm in an 80s movie montage like every morning <laughs> when I'm doing that thing. I, I'm there, I no shirt it. on with a boom box, punching the guy like it's sick. I definitely love it. Uh, I was going regularly to one up here in Burbank. And I think that what I, I posted this earlier, I posted a picture of Spider-Man getting pulled between the two subway trains. And I, I'm like, this is how I feel all the time, except when I'm trail running. And the reason I like trail running over road running is that on trail running there are the like the the whatever's under your feet changes all the time and the elevation and everything changes all the time and if you you know if you don't watch where you're stepping you're, I like the technical aspects of being out there and running uh, and Geekscape is like Geekscape's here for y'all whenever you want to get fit we can turn it into Jockscape real fast 
Um, yeah, let's do let's do some shit. We're like let's record some boxing it. videos. With, like, I love some Punisher t-shirts and some you know Wolverine claws and just try to try to do like a geek, geekscape, just like a fifteen minute geekscape specific workout routine. Yeah, um, <laughs> Legion M. Legion M's a, a company and in to a degree SpectroVision. SpectroVision, like I watched Mandy, another Legion M release that SpectroVision was behind. Um, these guys only make movies that Jonathan is challenged by. <laughs> Jonathan wants by Jonathan. If Jonathan, like I saw you went to the Agnes Varda, uh, you know, did you get that 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 uh, that box set, the Agnes Bar- Varda box set? Um, like these very, movies, very excited. Oh my about god, this. it's so good. It, <laughs> Agnes from five to seven is like a movie that I ref- that I've referenced. Cleo, Cleo, Cleo. Sorry, I said Agnes. Agnes is the filmmaker. Yeah. Cleo from five to yeah. seven is one of the movies that I I just recommend to everybody and my short time with Richard Linklater when I got him a little bit for a snippet that's oh. all I talked about was Cleo from the seven because that must be his jam right like oh my god when you like, watch boyhood yeah. like how could that not be his jam yeah yeah and uh and those are kind of things that I like but when when I watch these Spectre Vision and Legion M movies what the hell Mandy what the hell is <laughs> happening what is it like working with these dudes are they all crazy <laughs> Are they all crazy? Well, I think there's a there's a distinction to make between the two of them. So Legion M is uh, an organization that is about like bringing tons and tons of fans, like in like like tons and tons of people who um, get to help uh, finance a movie, but then they sort of create this built-in incredible audience. One of the things we're doing, like Legion M right now is making like the most insane t-shirts and tie-ins to Arch Enemy. Like I can't even believe, like they're doing, you know, they did it with Mandy too. They made like Cheddar Goblin uh, macaroni and cheese boxes and stuff and like that. And the last like, Kevin it's, it's, Smith it's movie. Like uh, the last yeah. Jane Silent Bob movie was uh, Legion M. Geeks gave us, yeah. remember when we put out uh, Doc of the Dead, we worked on Doc of the Dead with Alexander Philippe. His movie uh, on the Alien franchise or the first Alien film was Legion M. Legion M seems that, like one of those I'm in that, that, dude. Yeah, Did you know I that know I'm in that? In I'm that in that memory. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm in Doc of the Dead. <laughs> I'm in Doc of the Dead. You're in memory. Adam, yeah. it's ridiculous that it's taken us this long to talk uh, to each other. I know. Again. What a crossover episode. Um, but so Legion M is more like a financing, crowdsourced well, like, financing thing? Yeah, it, it's, it, it, yeah, it's like crowdsourced, but within their, they created a community, right? So it's like when we just saw Matt for a second, his he's a Legion M member. We were like, hey, Legion M, we need a car for Max to drive. And he drives up in an El Camino and he's like, now I'm part of your crew. Here's mm. the car. You know, it's like, it's this fascinating sort of um, it's an experiment, but it's working because they keep on doing these things. Whereas Spectre Vision is a production company. It's um, Elijah Wood and two other partners, Daniel Noah and, and Lisa Whalen. So and they've they've done Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Uh, they've done Mandy, Color Out of Space. They did my previous movie, Daniel Isn't Real. Um, they are people who are they want to make genre movies but they also love the insane stuff and they, uh, <laughs> so they, you know, so they, they want to, what's nice about working with them is that we'll be in the edit room and we'll have a huge argument about something. It should be this. No, it should be this, but we're still trying to make the same movie. We still have the same understanding of, you know, I'm not trying to like trick them into making a challenging art movie or whatever, you know, they're not trying to like get me to make it more exciting or whatever. We're doing the same thing. We're like, what would it be like if we made a superhero movie that is also psychedelic and tragic, you know? Um, So that's what they do. And, you know, those, they each sort of have their own superpower 
Elijah, of course, can turn invisible because of his magic ring and the other guys <laughs> different kind of movie related skills. Um, but yeah, they're, they're wonderful and they do really interesting films for sure. And I think if you like what I do, then you'll love everything else they do. Well, geeks gave us who don't know whether or not you like what Adam does. Uh, this weekend, we've got this movie, Arch Enemy, coming to VOD. Um, it will probably get some limited theatrical, if not for a pandemic. So maybe in the future, you guys might be able to see it again on a screen or maybe, I mean, Adam's got enough movies now that they can do a double screening festival or, or something like that. You can be part of a genre festival. I think it'd be, because I, I think this is kind of a fun movie to watch with an audience. Oh yeah, um, I'm really sad. We did. We got to do a drive-in uh, premiere for it at Beyond Fest, which was super. It was like a safe way to bring people together. That was fun. But I do miss. You know, with Daniel, it wasn't real. I was traveling the world. I you know, saw for, it, dude. with festivals. I was in Korea. I was in Florida, which is a total other country. I was in <laughs> Texas. I was in London. You know, I was all over the place. And getting to interact with people like the moment they're done watching the movie, and they can be like, "Oh, I just I had this emotional experience," and the, your movie, you know, like. That is the thing. We were sort of talking about how we judge the value of what we do. Like everything else is miserable. Making the movie, getting it made. You're up late. You're up early. Talking to people the minute they've seen the movie on a screen in a theater with a group and they come up and talk to you. That's where it all pays off. Like that's your connection to somebody. Yeah. That is um, my drug. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful. And you learn a lot. And you're like, oh, wow. Now I understand what people respond to or like that works. And um and so it's been rough not having a lot of that with Arch Enemy. It's been kind of like, okay, here's my balls. I guess look at them now. You know, <laughs> like I like it. <laughs> yeah, hope you like don't, my balls. You, no, don't bring a mallet out. <laughs> what, um, Geeks gave us check out Adam's balls this weekend when Arch Enemy. Adam's balls are on. It's actually Joe's <laughs> Joe's balls. Really, it's, it's really uh, like Joe Manganiello's balls. Let's be the, honest. The, the truth is, you guys can all watch. Arch Enemy this weekend, and you should. I find it challenging. I found it inspiring. I find everything Adam does is inspiring because I think that your approach for a long time, I found it to be completely opposite mine, but in the same way, like, really rewarding. Um, and I, I'm like, damn, I just love the way you shoot your stuff. What is next, Adam, as I let you go and continue your tour of outlets? <laughs> One of the things... That's been really nice is that now that I have like a body of work and you can kind of, you know, like, like I got Joe, Paul Shear and Glenn Howerton to do this movie because they saw Daniel's not real and they liked it. And so they trusted me as a director. And so the more I'm able to do that, the more I'm attracting collaborators. So I've written another movie with Brian. We wrote Daniel's not real together. We, we have a new movie that's about witchcraft and capitalism. It's a it's a really scary horror movie, and we're hoping that's to make the most that. Adam thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> that is witchcraft so... and capitalism. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, a witchcraft capitalism movie. One of those. <laughs> I heard you on a panel once say you have to be vigilant against the anarchy of the mind, and I just went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I should remember being like, what? That is the most Adam thing I've ever heard. Who knows what I was saying? I don't think I was being very vigilant on that panel. Um, <laughs> You're amazing. Dude, it was amazing. I was like, whatever that is, I'm still yes, looking. do it. <laughs> um, but so so aside from the witchcraft capitalism movie, which we're hoping we'll get financed soon, um, I'm starting to get scripts from awesome writers, which is something that I, you know, haven't experienced as much before, right? Like I've written everything I've done because who else is going to write the kind of stuff I'm interested in? But now people can be like, oh, I liked your movie. And like, you might like this 
script that I wrote that's, you know, and, and so that's interesting. And I'm um, hoping, you know, that if, uh, if I can continue to have a career that I'll be having more collaborators and kind of like getting to do what I do, but different because it'll be coming from other people's voices. Yeah. Well, Adam, listen, dude, um, I think the movie's awesome. I think it's super impressive. Um, and you just keep stretching your, your skills in all sorts of different new ways. Um, still a bit weird. Still mind bendy, still weird, still leaving Jonathan in the dust with like, oh, what was that about? Oh, I'm going to think about that for the next two weeks, uh, which, again, I now think is a strength and not a frustration. I think it's awesome. Uh, and Geekscape is, again, like, go check out Arch Enemy this weekend. It's on all the VOD platforms. Uh, and support our good friend Adam, who's going to come back on the show whenever he's got his next gig or before, Anytime. whenever he wants to. Anytime. I would love to have Adam. Uh, we got we just gone we too long, to do, dude. Do the boxing thing. We'll do the. I boxing would love thing. to. I'd love for you to knock my ass out. I would love for you to <laughs> knock my ass out, <laughs> um, dude. Thanks for coming on uh, and follow Adam on all the socials. Oh yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter at Adam Egypt and Instagram at Adam Egypt six six six. So if you want to ask me more, I'm, I do a lot of. I should say like I'm on Twitter like really trying to answer questions and be supportive of young filmmakers and share what my experience is. So people should find me there for that. Perfect. And thank you, dude. This was really beautiful. It's so <laughs> lovely to, to connect with you. And talk I love, this. I love the 2.0, 3.0 versions of us connecting on Geekscape and Geekscape yeah. is that I'm sure you appreciate it as well. And if you do go ahead and tell your friends to subscribe to Geekscape, share Geekscape with your friends. And I hope to see you all this weekend for our charity live stream. That That's going to be fun for us. And we hope to help out big brothers, big sisters on the way to uh, in, into the holidays and, and hopefully make them a little bit better for a lot of people. Um, and there will be a lot of jokes. So come hang out. Adam, thank you so much. Uh, Geekscape us. We'll talk to you next time over and out. Uh, don't hate, create. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.